going to bring the word of God. Would you welcome with me Brother David McGovern from Glendale, California. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, can we just put our hands together for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this morning? He's worthy. I know you're tired, but he's worthy. Hallelujah. Man, it feels good. It feels good this morning in the house of God. This is the house of God for the next couple of days. And it is what we make it. And I heard that last night you made it apostolic. And you had church. And I wish I could have been here last night for that. Uh, But I'm so looking forward to tonight. And it's such an honor to share uh, the pulpit again with a dear friend of mine, uh, Pastor Court Chavez. Don't we love and appreciate Brother Chavez? Amen. And I give special honor to your district leadership. Uh, Chantry and crew are just some of the best people that you will ever find on this earth. I love the Arkansas district, top notch all the way creative excellent but anointed and apostolic and I love it I love what I feel here this morning stand with me I know you already sat down but stand with me for the reading of the word Genesis chapter 3 verse number 1 You know what? Scratch that. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle. Everybody say the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Verse number four, the serpent who is more crafty and more cunning than any other animal that the Lord God had made replies, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, becoming like God, knowing good and evil. Verse number 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. Women. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Men. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you this morning? Verse number three, you must not eat from the fruit that is in the tree, from the tree that is in the middle. I want to preach this morning for the next uh, few moments on this thought. 
the tree in the middle. The tree in the middle. Let's put our Bibles down, our iPads down, our iPhones down, and let's pray together. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for this anointed environment, your presence that we feel so richly in this place. And we pray, God, that you would speak clearly to our hearts. We want to hear from you. And we want to be changed by you. And we want to be challenged by you, God. So don't allow us to quickly forget what we hear and experience in this house. But remind us when we forget and convict us when we get complacent, God, until what we hear becomes what we do and who we are. In the name of Jesus and the church said amen. Can we put our hands together and magnify him one more time? Come on, he's worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The tree in the middle. In our text, we see the actions of two individuals, a man and a woman. We're still paying the price for those actions today. Genesis chapter 3, we see the cause for the craziness in our world today. This is the moment in human history where everything goes crazy. Everything goes haywire. Genesis 3 is the pivot upon which the entire Bible shifts. Genesis 1 and 2, we see the original intent for the earth and for the human race. But in Genesis chapter 3, everything goes nuts. In fact, the reason why you're struggling with what you're struggling with this morning, the reason why you wrestle with thoughts, the reason why you wrestle with doubts, the reason why you wrestle with insecurities, the reason why some of you struggle with self-image issues, the reason why you're tempted, the reason why you're messed up, it's because of Genesis chapter 3. Come on, how many know that we wouldn't even need to be here today if it wasn't for Genesis chapter 3? That's when everything went crazy. That's when everything went nuts. Anytime you have a struggle, anytime you wrestle with flesh, anytime you have a heartache and you battle in your mind and you wrestle in your spirit anytime you struggle with lust and with temptation it's because of Genesis chapter 3. In fact if you read the phraseology of the Christian language you'll notice that a huge percentage of the words that we use start with re. Why? Because we need a re because of Genesis chapter 3. We need to be renewed. We need revival. God has to regenerate us. We need to be reborn. Our world needs revival. Our church needs revival. Why? Because of Genesis chapter 3. That's when everything got messed up. That's when Adam ate that fruit, and that's when everything went crazy. That's why we struggle with sin, because of the events in Genesis chapter 3. That's why some of you are messed up right now. And I know you're sitting there thinking, I'm not messed up. I'm a good person. What are you talking about? You're not good. There's none good but the Lord. And you know why we can sit here when a preacher says you're not good and we can get offended and we can cross our arms and we can say, well, I'm apostolic, I'm Holy Ghost filled, I'm a good person. You know where that came from? Genesis chapter 3. Because God said of everything in this garden you may freely eat. All of the fruit, all of the trees, all of the vegetables in this garden, except you shall not eat from the knowledge of good and evil. We focus on the evil part. There's another side to that fruit. It's the good part, the knowledge of good. This idea that we are somehow good, that I'm good, I've got, I'm good. 
we say that I'm good. It's all good. It's not all good. We need God. And God is saying through Scripture is when you begin to think that you are good enough on your own. And when you begin to think that you've got this on your own, and God is saying that as soon as you start to think that you're good, it's just as bad as when you do evil. Because just as perverse in the eyes of God is sinning, is sitting here and thinking that we're good, and we've got it all together, and we don't need... Listen, we all come from dysfunction. We're all born in sin and shaping in iniquity. We're from a very dysfunctional family. Adam messed us up. He messed us up. You realize in Genesis chapter 2, our only job was to walk around eating fruit in the garden. That's it. I mean, we just got to walk around, talk to Jesus all day, and just eat a bunch of fruit. That's it. And in Genesis chapter 3, we lost our normal function. We lost what God made us for. And because of that, we need to be remade. But what an incredible thing to think about, church, that once upon a time, we were created whole. We didn't have dysfunction. See, this is the problem I have with atheism and with agnosticism and with existentialism that just says, well, there's no God and there's no, we just happen to and we're just going to go through life and we're just going to live and die randomly and there's no God and nothing's going to happen in order and on purpose. Question then, why do we cry over loss? Why do we cry over a lost loved one or a lost relationship or lost health or lost blessings? Why? Why? Why does our heart break when we see injustice and slavery and hunger and diseases that are ravishing why? Why, do we, why does our heart break over injustice? You know why. It's because there is something inside of you that knows this is not right. This is not the way it was supposed to be. There has to be something better than this. So it's Genesis chapter 3 that everything went crazy. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent was more crafty and more cunning uh, snake than any other animal that the Lord God had made. And the, and, the, and the word says that the snake talked to the woman. The Bible says the snake said to the woman. The snake said to the woman. The snake talked. Now, I'm going to go all English teacher on you and teach you a word this morning, aphidiophobia. Anybody know what that means? The fear of snakes. Aphidiophobia. This is one of the most common phobias in the human race. Two out of every three individuals on the planet has a quantifiable fear of snakes. Anybody here? That's about right. I'll put two hands up. I don't, I don't, I don't do snakes. And this snake, Brother Nate, not only was this a snake, but this was a talking snake. The worst kind. Let me tell you something, church. I don't, I don't like snakes that hiss. I don't like snakes that slither. I sure would not like a talking snake. I'm telling you right now, God should have put me in the garden because I sure as mess would have not been talking to a snake. Most of you don't know this. You just think I'm just, you know, 
California boy. I've got Arkansas roots. My grandmother is from Arkansas. She's from Van Buren, not too far from here. Yeah, I grew up, my grandma had a trailer in California. She brought a little bit of Arkansas with her to California. Hallelujah. <laughs> but that trailer was all decked out. Woo, pig suit. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was Razorback all day at my grandma's trailer. But she's from Arkansas. You know what they do with snakes where my grandma's from? One unfortunate snake found out one day as it slithered its way up the porch on my grandmother's double wide and she took a shovel my grandma was like you know she weighed 80 pounds soaking wet with combat boots on and my here comes this rattlesnake slithering up the porch my grandma just cool as could be everybody else is freaking out grown men are in tears my grandma goes around the back grabs a shovel comes over to the porch just chops the snake's head off just like that and everything I know how to deal with snakes, I learned from my 80-pound grandmother from Van Buren, Arkansas that day. And that is step one, secure shovel. Step two, decapitate snake. I'm telling you, that snake would have not got so much as a hello, McGovern, before it lost its head. I don't do snakes. I don't do talking snakes. I don't do snakes. I don't do snakes. God should have put me in the garden. We wouldn't be having this problem today. There'd be no sin. There'd be no craziness. There'd be no talking snakes. But here's a revelation about the serpent. Here's a revelation about the devil. Here's a revelation about the enemy of your spirit. Because truth is, if it were me, I wouldn't have talked to that snake. But the other truth is, if it were me, the snake would not have talked to me. Go back to the text and notice the snake never has a conversation with Adam. It's only with Eve. Remember, the snake was more crafty. That word in the original language is a room which speaks to wisdom and it speaks to discernment. So this snake is smart. This snake has discernment and he knows if he talks to me, he's going to lose his head. He knows if he talks to Adam, Adam's probably going to run. But he talks to Eve. Hear me. He offers Eve the fruit through conversation. And then Adam gets offered the fruit through Eve. Why did he do this? Well, why did Satan tempt the Lord after he'd been fasting for 40 days in the wilderness? Why did he tempt him, turn these stones into food, turn these stones into bread? See, it gives us an insight into the enemy's methods. I can tell what you like by what he offers you. I can tell what you struggle with by what he tempts you with. I can tell what your weakness is by what he offers you. And, and he knows what to send your way. And I think it's so funny when church people, we love to shout about the stuff we don't struggle with. I don't smoke and I don't drink and I don't, I don't get high and I don't get up in the club and I don't do all that stuff. Well, maybe, but your attitude can be horrible. You can be caught up in your own goodness. The enemy will always tempt you with what you struggle with. He's not going to tempt me with drugs. He's not going to tempt me with alcohol. I don't, that's not my struggle. You won't ever catch McGovern up in the club. That's not my life. I'm not about that. He's not going to struggle. I'm not going to struggle with that. So he's not going to tempt me with that. He's going to offer you something that you have a weakness for. So he offers Eve the fruit through conversation. Why would he do this? you got to back up. 
to Genesis chapter 2 where God creates man. The Bible says he creates man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Bible says that God gives Adam a job to name all the animals in, in all of God's creation. Now, here's a side note, okay, this, this, this is free. This, little nut, this is a little relationship nugget right here. Notice that before God ever brought Adam or brought Eve into Adam's life, he made sure that Adam had some things in order. First of all, the Bible says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the breath of God. It always signifies the Spirit. God filled Adam with the Spirit. Before he got Eve, he got filled with the Spirit. The Bible says that he became a living being. He had a life. He had a life. Adam had a life. Before he got Eve, he had a life. Lastly, the Bible says that God gave Adam a job. Hello. <laughs> Before he got EVE, he got a J-O-B. Hey, ladies, God has the right man for you, the one you were created for. But you better notice the pattern here. The one that God created you for, he's going to have the Holy Ghost, he's going to have a life, and he's going to have a real job. And young men, God created a woman specifically for you in his plan and in his designs. But there's some things that you've got to put in order in your life if you want that to happen. And young ladies and young men, if you do this outside of his divine order and you don't follow the plan that God has for your life, you will end up with the person that he did not create for you. And you'll end up with years of failed relationships and years of being spent emotionally and physically with scars and wounds and hurts and broken marriages and broken homes, but there's another way. You just got to do it God's way. That was a, just a little side note. Back to my message. God gives Adam a job. We don't have a whole lot of detail regarding Adam's job and the time frame of Adam's job. It's just name everything on the planet. Well, there are billions of species on the planet. We don't have a lot of idea regarding the time frame, the chronology of it all. But I think it's natural to just think that Adam probably just spent a lot of time alone by himself. Just out there naming animals all day. And then God sees Adam all alone and it's just him and a bunch of animals out there. And God says something interesting in the Bible. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so God puts Adam into a deep sleep and from... And from Adam, he creates Eve. And, 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 and from the get-go, we see the chasm in communication, the gap in the communication style between men and women. You, you know what I'm talking about, men. The social scientists say that, that men use roughly 7,000 words a day. That sounds like a lot. Do you consider that women use close to 30,000 words a day? women. Men, if I asked you how church was last night, you know what I'm talking about. If I asked you how church was last night, it's good. It's good. Awesome. It was great. Women, if I asked you, young ladies, how church was last night. Oh, Brother McGovern, 
You just don't even know. Let me tell you, have a seat because I'm going to talk to you right now, Brother McGovern. I got to tell you about two years ago, I was drinking a cup of tea and I was reading my daily devotional Bible. God just began to speak to me and the spirit just came over me. And God promised something two years ago that he manifested something last night. It was amazing. I have no words. Yeah, you got a lot of words, actually. Men and women are different. Man, that's all we need to know. Church was good. I'm good with that. That tells me everything I need to know. But men and women are different. Why is it this way with men and women? Because Adam was created alone. Eve wakes up and, 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 and she's got a spouse right next to him and she's conversational. She's a woman. And, and you can see from the very beginning this, this struggle between the conversations between men and women. It's in our nature's women. It's in your nature's women to be conversational. And because men are not the greatest conversationalists, especially Adam, he had nobody to begin with. Just him and some animals out there. I can imagine the struggle that Eve must have gone through. Ladies, you, you value conversation. You love to talk. You love to talk. And so the enemy introduces the fruit. He introduces a temptation through conversation. And coincidentally, thousands of years later, there's still a bunch of young ladies talking to snakes. Dating snakes. Hooking up with snakes. Giving yourself over to snakes. I wish we had some shovels. There's some things you need to cut off, young lady. There's some relationships you need to cut off. There's some boyfriends. There's some snakes. started with the cunning a crafty snake here's what I'm saying the enemy knows what your weaknesses are and he will exploit them to his greatest ability you want to know how crafty this snake is the enemy of your soul do you know that the snake is the only animal on the planet that does not blink He's always watching you. His eyes are on you. He's studying every move that you make. We don't preach about this a lot. We just like to preach about all the fun stuff. But I'm here to tell you there's a snake that's watching you. He's watching every movement you make. He's watching everything you do. He knows what your weaknesses are and your temptations are. And he's waiting for the right opportunity to give you the right thing. He's so committed to destroying you. He's watching your life without blinking. What can I use to destroy him? What can I use to destroy her? And if pride is your weakness, then he'll send you a bunch of people that tell you what you want to hear. And, 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 and if lust is your problem, then he's going to make sure that girl or that guy is in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong words and the wrong moves to make you stumble. And if he, he knows what to send your way. But here's, here's where he messed up. He could not stop you from getting the Arkansas Youth Convention this morning. He could not stop you from giving God praise this morning. He could not stop you from coming to an altar this morning. He can't stop you from leaving this service with enough Holy Ghost inside of you, on top of you, around you, and in you. That you're going to get the Word of God so deeply entrenched in the DNA of your spirit that you're going to leave this youth convention with a shovel in your hand ready to cut off the head of that snake. Listen, he, didn't, he, he talked to Eve twice. 
It wasn't a month of conversations. Twice. It was enough. He says, did God really say that? Did God, and you can miss what the enemy is trying to do here if you're not careful and think he's just trying to get Eve to doubt God's word. But Eve knew God's word. The Bible says she responded to the serpent and said, yeah. God said I was not to eat from the tree. That's what God said. That's his word. She knew God's word. But when you study this out, you realize that, that the serpent was actually mocking God's word. He's actually, it's a mocking tone. The original language in this denotes a humorous, a mocking tone. Hold, hold up. Did God really say? Come on, Eve. Did God really say that you can't eat that? Really? That's crazy. Come on, all these trees here, and you can't touch one. Really? Ha <laughs> ha. God is restricting you. God is restricting you. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Hmm. Now hear me, hear me. The enemy loves to use mockery. He still uses mockery this day. He loves to mock God's word so that you'll look at God's word in a different light. He loves to mock the word. Really? You got to do that? Really? That's what, that, you, you got to do all that. Really? Really? You got to dress like that? Really? You got to worship like that? Really? He loves to mock the word of God. Why is this? Because there's power in mockery. Just look at, look at the way uh, certain individuals are presented in our society. If we want uh, if, if, if the media wants uh, the public to mistrust their message, they mock them. Look at the way certain politicians are presented. Look at the way even, even, even culture, uh, the award shows from earlier this year, making a mockery of the church. Lesbians dressed up as priests performing gay weddings on national television. What are they doing? They are mocking the message because if they mock it long enough, people will begin to mistrust the message. And so his word is mocked. But is there anybody here today that will say, I know his word is true and I'm standing on his promises because they will never fail me. I'm going to stand on the word of God. His word is right, hallelujah, to my soul. It is yesterday, today, and forever settled in heaven. And you can mock me and you can reject me and you can ridicule me and you can tease me. But God said it and that settles it. I'm going to stand on the word of God. Here's what the enemy is really trying to do with mocking. He's trying to get Adam and Eve to forget God's blessing and focus on God's boundary. He wants you just to focus on the boundary because the enemy just wants to mock the boundary. But what the enemy will not tell you is that without the boundaries, you cannot experience real freedom. I know some of you think, that, that, how, how is that right? How is that true? You just go one day without boundaries and then tell me how free you really are. You, let, let, let me prove it to you. You, you. you get in your car and you drive without boundaries. And show me how free you really are. Go for it. No boundaries. Go for it. Just, just 100 miles an hour down the highway. Go for it. 
And then when you get to the freeway, get on the freeway, but go the opposite signs because we don't want to follow the boundaries. They're, they're restricting us. I want to be free. Now you're going 100 miles an hour down the wrong side of the highway. That's freedom. No boundaries. The devil is a liar. That's not freedom. That's bondage because there's no boundaries. And if you continue driving like that, if you continue living like that, ultimately you're going to crash head on and ultimately you will die. Is that freedom? That's not freedom. That's bondage. You're bound to die driving like that. You're bound to die living that way. You're bound. It's not freedom. It's bondage. Hear me. Everything that God makes, he makes with boundaries. Devil wants to get you to focus on the boundaries and get your eyes off the blessings of God and mock the boundaries. Does God really want you to do all that? Can, do, do you really need to do that to be saved? Fish were made for water, birds for the sky, animals on the dry land. Light was made to separate from darkness. Dry land was made to rise from the seas. Boundaries. And in all of God's creation, everything he makes, he makes with boundaries, but he makes man, right? And he gives man everything that man could ever need. And he only asks one thing of man, just one thing. He said, hey, don't touch that tree in the middle. Don't eat that. And man says, why not? You know, it's funny to me. But so, so many of us, I'm just going to be real. I'm just going to be me, okay? Don't get offended. But it's funny to me that so many of us in this generation are busy giving God our opinion when he's asking for our obedience. He's not asking our opinion on everything. He wants our obedience. And we don't like that. We don't like that in this generation. We don't like that because we have an eye problem. I want to do what I want to do. Everything that, 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 that is, is wrong in this in this uh, society, in this way, it comes back to that I problem. I, I, I. That's what sin is. It's an I problem. But in the middle of sin, what do you find? You find I. Because anytime I am in the center of my world, I'm in sin. Anytime I am at the middle of my life and at the middle of my mind, anytime I, I am in sin, it's a pride issue. It's a pride issue. Even when you look at that word pride, what do you find in the middle? You find that word I again. Because anytime I'm in the center of my world and I'm in the center of my mind and I'm in the center of my heart, I have pride. It's an I issue. It's an I issue. And so, and so, I mean, even, even in technology, the devices we have, it's, it's all about us. And it's all about posting the latest and the greatest and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the new selfie and the best selfie we can. It's all about me. So we don't like this. But it's still right. God's calling for a generation to obey his word. To live by his word. To keep his word in the middle to remove I from the middle, to keep that tree in the middle. Eve told the serpent, if, I, if, I, uh, if we eat of that tree, we can eat of any tree except the one in the middle, and if we do, we'll die. Satan said, you won't die. The serpent began mocking God's plan for the tree in the middle. He began mocking God's plan for, really? Does God really need you to do that? What's interesting, if you take a look later in Scripture, Jesus 
was hanging on the cross in Matthew 27, 42. And in the same spirit as the serpent, the priest began mocking the tree in the middle. Because from the garden all the way to Golgotha, the enemy has always mocked the tree. The enemy has always mocked the tree. So you will mistrust the message of the tree in the middle. So you will mistrust the message of Calvary, of the cross. Because it's the tree in the middle. It's all about keeping him at the center of your life. It's all about ridding ourselves of that eye problem. That's what Calvary was all about. It was a savior going to a cross and shedding his blood so that he could blot out the eye from our sin. And he could put himself back in the middle of our lives where he was intended to be that's what the cross is all about that's what the blood of Jesus is all about it's the tree in the middle his word is called the tree of life we've got to keep this tree in the middle we've got to keep his word at the center of everything that we do we've got to make every decision we've got to make every plan we've got to make every step based on the tree in the middle Jesus said I am the vine and you are the branches I'm in the middle I'm in the middle keep me at the center at Calvary he laid down his life for your sin so that you would keep the cross in the middle of your life and you won't have an eye problem as long as you stay at the foot of Calvary. You won't have a sin problem as long as you stay at the blood of Jesus. At the tree in the middle. It started in the garden and it was fulfilled in Calvary. Jesus was hung on a tree on a cross if our musicians would come in the middle of two other crosses on a hill called Golgotha. Golgotha means the place of the skull. What's in the skull? The central nervous system, our brain, the middle, the middle, the middle. Everything we do, everything we are, every step we take in this life should be done with the cross in the middle. Every decision that I make for my future, every college application I, I fill out, it's not just for me, young person. Hear me, it's not just for you. It's not just you making a bunch of good decisions that are going to benefit your life, but it's saying I've got to keep the cross, the tree at the middle of my life, Jesus at the center of everything that I do. Every, every, every college I, I go to, every job I have, it's got to be Jesus at the middle. Maybe, maybe God might be calling some of you to go on a missions field, to go on a missions trip. You've already got your life in order. You've got, already got it all planned out. He's calling you back to the tree in the middle. Come on, I'm calling you. You've got you've to keep, keep this thing central. You've got to put this thing right in the middle of your life. You can't let it, you can't stray from this. In the middle, Satan said, you won't die. And they didn't die, not right away. But when that bite was taken, when they strayed from the plan of the tree in the middle, something died in their spirits and their bodies died later. And we call that freedom. I can either put me in the middle or I can put the tree in the middle. I've got to make that decision this morning. At this first morning service of Arkansas Youth Convention 2014. What's going to be in the middle of my life? What am I going to revolve around? What is the axis point for my life where everything hinges on it? Everything revolves around it. Everything turns on it. Is it going to be me? Or is it going to be the tree? 
God cries out to Adam and Eve, where are you? And uh, all of a sudden, the God that they used to run to now, now they're running from. What a mess that they found themselves in. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're a mess. Hey, maybe young people, you're here this morning and there's a mess in your life. You've been hiding from God. You've been running from God. Perhaps you're experiencing guilt and shame like Adam and Eve. You're trying to keep things a secret, trying to keep it hidden, trying to cover it up. But you got things all messed up. The reason the serpent wants to remove the tree from the middle is because in the garden, God gives us a picture of Calvary. God gives us a picture in Adam and Eve, what he would do for the rest of us at Calvary. Yes, they had fallen but he still had grace for them. Yes, they had messed up, but he still had mercy for them. Yeah, 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 they'd made a mistake and they strayed from the plan for the tree in the middle and they and they messed up, but if they would own up to that eye problem, to that sin problem, God, I did not honor the tree in the middle. I put me in the middle. I put myself in the middle of every decision that I've made today. And he can still cover you, though. He can still forgive you, though. He, can, he still has grace and mercy, though. He he went to Calvary. He went. He already had another tree pre- uh, prepared in the middle where he would hang and die and shed his blood. Amen. And his blood would still wash your sins away. Come on. A sacrifice has been made for you today. Blood has been shed for you today. A tree has been prepared for you today. I know you fell down, but I came this morning to preach a simple message that the blood that still flows from the tree in the middle can still cover you today from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And you can leave here with purpose, and you can leave here with destiny, and you can leave here with the anointing of God on your life that you thought the mistakes had messed up. But God says there's another tree today. If you'll come, if you'll come as I open these altars and you'll lay yourselves at the foot of Calvary, God says, I can cover you. I can cover you. I can restore you. I can renew you. I can remake you. But it's got to be at the tree. It's got to be at the tree. This is not something you can do. This is not something you can earn. You've just got to come to the tree in the middle and lay yourself down and let the blood of Jesus cover you this morning many young people here today and there's a calling on your life that's going unfulfilled because you put me in the middle there's sin in your life that you have no business messing with because you put me in the middle there's music you're listening to that you need to delete from your iPod because you put me in the middle there's people you're fooling around with that you've got no business with Because you put me in the middle. But thanks be to God that there's a tree here, an old rugged cross. I know this is a simple, probably a little old school message, but this is just what I feel in the Holy Ghost this morning. 
Oh, take me back to the old rugged cross. Take me to that place, God, where your blood was shed for me. And that blood from a spotless lamb began to just run down that tree into the dirt of the ground there. Take me to that place, God. Take me to that place, God, where I can put the tree in the middle of my life. I wonder if there's anybody here, and if I've preached even remotely in your direction, if you would make a conscious effort right now to just come a little closer and maybe just kneel down at the foot of Calvary this morning. Maybe just a maybe just a humble kneel that says, you know what, I'm no longer eating from the from the fruit of the knowledge of, of good and evil. I, I, there's no goodness in me. I'm not good on my own. I can't make it on my own. I need the tree in the middle of my life. If you would do that, if you would kneel at Calvary, just come back to the tree. Let the blood of Jesus cover you right now. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sin, God. And thank you for preparing a place for me, even though I'm I'm not good and I'm messed up and I've made mistakes. Thank you, God, that there's still room at the foot of Calvary for me to put the tree in the middle of my life one more time. I got to get me out of the middle. I got to get the tree in the middle because when the tree is in the middle, God can bless the plans for my life when the tree is in the middle. God can bring me the right spouse when the tree is in the middle. God can give me the right career when the tree is in the middle. Some of you desperately longing and searching for direction in your life. If you put the tree in the middle, God will give you the direction. But that's the starting point. That's the compass for everything you do. It's got to start there. Come on, young people, cry out to God this morning. God, in the name of Jesus. Jesus Jesus at the center of 